Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KCBS Radio, original podcasts. Three years ago, I started trail running. During the beginnings of the COVID-19 pandemic, when all indoor activities were shut down, I, along with many others, turned to the great outdoors. I had already been a hiker, but I wanted to go faster. So my mom and I would hit the trails, swapping happy hours, parties, movie theaters, and masks for running through the trees. But as the summer wore on and wildfires took over California in 2020, being outdoors, especially with my asthma, became risky. And when the Bay Area was in the thick of it, I'd manically check the air quality to see which trails had the best AQI so I could find somewhere safe to run outdoors. Just this week, the Bay Area had yet another air quality advisory as we soaked in smoke wafting in from Northern California and Canada. Is this our new normal? And will we get to the point where there's no more clean air to run to? From KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mallory Somera, and this is Bay Current. I remember this day like it was yesterday. I woke up just like everybody else in the Bay Area, wondering if I'd woken up on another planet. Fires burning across the state left Bay Area residents waking up to a dramatic dark orange glow in the skies. The streetlights on the sky, a sepia mix of smoky pink and orange. The pedestrians, masked against both the coronavirus and the unseen particles, hazardous to their lungs, bewildered and confused. I just literally had to put my mask on and walk outside just to see it. It's such a strange feeling to have it be dark in the middle of the day. The world watched in awe at those orange, apocalyptic photos. The Bay Bridge set in what seemed like post-production movie magic, except it was real. It seemed like an anomaly. But this year, other places like Chicago, Detroit, and New York City had their own taste of what it was like waking up to darkness. Yeah, that was a bleak year, man. Yeah. It was a very bleak year. I had the chance to sit down with Ian Faluna. He's a biomicrometeorologist and professor of atmospheric science at UC Davis. He actually spoke with KCBS Radio's Matt Bigler on air recently about wildfire and soil emissions, increasing air pollution in remote forests, like the ones I sometimes run in. I asked him if we were going to be seeing more orange skies in the future. Oh, there's no doubt. There is absolutely no doubt. This is a trend. And the trend is different. This is what <clears throat> one of the main things that came out of my 
research on this topic, which was primarily focused on the air pollution and not even the direct air pollution, the particulate matter we all know we experience directly is really bad. And you can get these air quality days where the particulate loading is like, you know, a horrible day in Beijing in the winter and we have it here. So that is separate. I was looking at sort of a longer term impact from gases that are emitted in combustion that come out of our tailpipes as well, which are kind of the main contributors to what we think of as traditional air quality problems with ozone and particulate matter eventually. But anyways, the point I'm I'm getting at is one of the things that really surprised me in this work, and it was sort of buried in the, the lead of this story, is the remarkable way in which the pace of wildfire area burned, which is kind of the best proxy for, you know, total emissions of smoke and uh, gases and things. Um, that's changed dramatically since about the turn of the century. And people have studied this across the U.S. and the globe. And um, basically something is different now. You can even see it mathematically in the statistics of the wildfires, because we have data back to the beginning of the 20th century. And right around 2000, 2005, whatever, but somewhere in there, things got really different. And that is that if you plot it on an exponential curve, which we did in the paper, um, it is alarming. And then 2020 was literally off the charts, like literally off the charts. You had to now make bigger charts to plot this data against, um, even in a logarithmic sense. And so, and what you see when you look back to 1970 or before, that this is a trend and it's a steady trend. And it's, there's a lot of variability year to year, like, as we all know, this in California, at least, remarkably good. We had a lot of wet winter and spring and even late um, into the summer. And it's pretty much been established that this is happening because of climate warming. Um, and, you know, what's happening is basically the system's being pushed out of equilibrium. So you think, well, it gets warmer and, yeah, more water evaporates. And so people think in an equilibrium sense that, yeah, the relative humidity will stay about the same because it'll get warmer, but more water will be in the air. But it turns out in the meantime, we're out, we're out of balance. And so it's, it's warmer as evaporation is trying to catch up. And so you have this, you have it's warmer and drier. So the relative humidity is lower. And it's that that's usually seen to be the dominant term that correlates with these, with these wildfires. That you're just drying out all this biomass. And then, and then on top of that, you have humans sort of extending the fire season. Normally you had a fire season of lightning, sort of dry lightning that would happen in the summer. And now because something like in California, at least a third to about a third of the fires are human in ignited. Um, those That season now is extending well into the autumn. Um, so, so it's kind of a it's kind of a mess. And when you look at this extrapolation, you think about what's going to happen in California, the fires are doubling at about in every 20 years, the area burned doubles. Um, and so that's what I mean. When you look back to 2000, you see, wow, things have changed dramatically in those 20 years and they have no sign that they're going to decrease. Now, at some point you you're going to burn all the forests. <laughs> and I guess at some point it's going to have to slow down, but still we have lots of, space to get there and it's just really alarming how um 
you know how there's it just seems like it's 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 going to keep increasing unless we really get our act together i mean so yeah what would it take what would it take i mean i have so many questions right I mean, but yeah, like no i have so many you know you're you're saying that we need to get our act together but like and at the end of your your interview with matt bigler you basically said you know we need to, we need to get a grip on the reality of of wildfires and forest fires and climate change but what does a grip look like right so the first thing is the battle that's been going on for 30 40 years which is we need to get off fossil fuels which of course is not happening nearly fast enough um but that aside um you know we need to batten down all of our infrastructure so that we don't have these power lines making fires and you know i hate to to get too political, but it seems to me that, you know, a, a company like PG&E, private company is making two and a half billion dollars quarterly net profits. You know, I have to ask myself, well, what fraction of that net profit could be invested into just eliminating these kinds of, of, of sparked wildfires? So, and again, it's, you know, you can argue, well, that's not going to be all of the wildfires, but it's still a third or 40%. And that's huge. And it's in seasons that normally, you know, don't, uh, we don't, we in the past didn't get wildfires. So to me, it just seems like we have to take this as a complete emergency. We need a public workforce that's, that's trained to take care of our forests and put out fires. You know, right now we use prison labor and it's just like really archaic things like that to do this. And we need to get like a citizen, you know, um, a, a public service uh, a human force to get out there and take care of things, you know, take care of replanting burned areas that in a in a ecologically conscientious way that uh, that limits the the um, risk of fire. And we just have to be much smarter about it. And we have to we have to invest a lot of resources um that we're not doing it's not it's it's not just about um more electric cars right <laughs> exactly exactly it's not at all like that and it just seems like letting the market figure it out gradually with a little bit of nudging from the government is just totally insufficient in the face of kind of the severity and and really the remarkable change you know, sort of abrupt change in how things are 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 progressing and the other thing I noticed in this study was not only are the wildfire areas really markedly kicking up in their extent, but if you look at the temperatures in California, the summer temperatures are also increasing at a rate that in the last 10, 15 years is remarkably different than it has been in the past century. And so to me, that is like another alarming thing. And I look through the literature and scientists and, you know, science study will take maybe usually 18 to 24 months to happen they'll use data that's a little bit older and so the stuff that's currently in the literature and written about is i would say you know three or four years behind and so no one's really i think detected and and raised the alarm that california is warming at a remarkable rate why california well i'm not exactly sure i'm not exactly sure about the specifics of this. And of course it is linked to this larger climate change, which we we feel like the global temperatures in the next few years are gonna just keep hitting these record highs because 
we're going to have this El Nino in the Pacific, which always adds, you know, typical uh, warmer temperatures for these years. So we, we suspect that in the next, in the coming few years, it's going to be even, it's going to be even more record breaking, if you can believe it. So it, it is a global thing, but California is all I've looked at particularly closely. And that is like the warming rate at this point of summertime temperatures is about a degree per decade. A degree Celsius is what we now. And you talk about climate change, and you say, well, since in the IPCC, all these scientists have come and agreed upon a number that's about 1.1 degrees Celsius in the past 120, 30 years. And we're talking about that rate now for summer temperatures, at least in California, happening every decade. And so things are not, you know, it's funny. We we have to constantly adjust our scientific models. And in, by my perspective, looking at this from the vantage point of a climate scientist in the, you know, the last 20 years, we've been doing nothing but adjusting our models upward in terms of like, oh, we are not getting the full extent, the full rapidity with which these things are changing. And so I looked at that, just the data of how the temperatures have changed. And you can see in about 2005, 2010, it's it's again it's another abrupt little shift where things are warming a lot more rapidly than i think anyone's fully cognizant of in in the state so that was something i didn't get in this shorter radio interview i wanted to mention because it's to me i feel like that's one of the most valuable things to raise the alarm of is this, this stuff is it takes time for the scientific community to you know study it get the data you know make sure the data is decent quality check it make a study argue about the results <laughs> we've got a bunch of heating in the bank that's still coming at us the public investment in this front should be immense and we should demand that we secure and we tighten down the human induced fires as much as humanly possible which i know we can do um and then yeah and then eventually moving beyond that we're going to have to have better forest management practices and all that stuff has got to has got to change as well but to me it seems like right now the immediate concern is um we got to stop we got to stop sparking fires <laughs> because there's a lot of dry tinder and it's only going to get worse for the next several decades bay current is a production of kcbs radio i'm mallory somera special thanks to ian faluna biomicrometeorologist and professor of atmospheric science at UC Davis. For more Bay Area stories, subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 